podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Nat Coombe Show is brought to you in association with the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. The first chance to get tickets to see Northwestern versus Nebraska at the Aviva Stadium on Saturday, the 27th of August, 2022, is through their pre-sale on Friday, the 19th of November. So visit collegefootballisland.com to sign up now for exclusive access. That's collegefootballisland.com. Head on over and sign up. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show, week 10 of the NFL coming into view and a brilliant guest. We have for you lots of fun always with the great Tom Deacon. He's dropping by. We're going to obviously talk, probably lead off with the San Francisco 49ers and work out if there's any way back for them this season. We'll look at the West more broadly as well. The 49ers playing the Rams. Russell's back. Or the way I said Russell, like a known person, <laughs> Russell Wilson's back for the, the Seahawks. We'll get into the AFC West as well because some key matchups going on there, not least the Chiefs Raiders. Big, big game for both franchises. The Patriots rolling, of course, I had to mention that thing. Is, uh, I uh, tipped them early on when no one else did. That's my obligatory self proclaiming big up there about the Patriots and look plenty more besides we're gonna have a lot of fun with Tom so let's get straight down to it and get into week 10 of the NFL Don Deacon in the house good to see you but just before we started recording uh you were already in the groove dropping uh dropping a fantastic Sean Connery impression uh, why not? Uh, one that is sadly has passed away. Uh, I was saying how disillusioned I was. Oh, nice. uh, and that's what I am as a 49ers fan. But you know what? For those that will not be able to see, let me describe what I'm wearing. I've got a T-shirt that says trust and I've got a 49ers jacket on because I'm no fair weather 49er fan. Yeah, Never I've cried. I've, I've let a few tears go. But you know what? I'm still here, still a Niner fan, loud and proud, but getting very, very, a lot quieter. That's what's happening. <laughs> it's an interesting starting point, actually, because I'm hearing that Niners fans are getting quite fed up with their team. I mean, inside the stadium, right? There seems to be a lot of Simmons and Cousin Sal are talking about on their pod, comparing the atmosphere to, to Philly, right? There seems to be kind of a lot of, uh, a lot of frustration going on there. Yeah. I mean, it, it, well, it's technically not in San Fran. I think that's your biggest starting point. Uh, the Levi Stadium is out in Santa Clara. It's too far to get it to. Um, fans are very quickly uh, fair weather over there. When the Niners are winning, we're all out in full force. But when we're not, that stadium looks empty. And the fact that we haven't won in so many games at home, it, it's not it's not our... You know, when you, you support a team, you go, our home games, we're a fortress. We're as loud and proud as the Seahawks, as the Chiefs are are at home but yeah the Niners will quickly turn um, and that's why we get that reputation but it, it's not it's not an exciting or happy time to be a Niners fan for sure so yeah it's it's not a good one let, look Rams this week let, a huge huge task although it is in Santa Clara not that your record is great in Santa Clara right now, so that, <laughs> uh, if the fans are turning on you as well I mean this is, is is make or break I mean I think it's it's probably fair to say the the playoffs are a long shot certainly will be almost impossible if you lose this you're at that stage of the season now where you've got to put together a few wins and try and turn the corner is, is there any cause cause for optimism do you think that the uh let's look at the offense first of all right do you think that there is enough there to at least 
threaten and contend this Rams D that I know was was off the pace against the Titans, but it typically has been one of the strongest units. It's, it's in the NFL right now. And, and conversely, there is a fairly vanilla back-to-back-to-back performances from Garoppolo. The ground game, because you're banged up, isn't really happening. There doesn't seem to be a real number one threat in the receiving core. So is there, is there any way you could put an argument that you can get some points rolling against the Rams? Yeah, there's definitely a chance we could uh, trade for Jeffrey Simmons from the Tennessee <laughs> Titans. And, That's the game plan. Yeah, and try and pick up those three sacks he got uh, last week. Uh, we could try and do what the Tennessee Titans did, which is get a big lead in the second quarter unanswered, uh, 21 points. Uh, we could control the football. Uh, um, also, uh, we could get Frank Gore out of retirement I love uh, and, and do what Adrian Peterson did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you take someone with the experience and all those years of performance. We could not play in gold. I think that's, I mean, I asked actually, Nat, a um, hundred uh, people, I asked a survey, not even all NFL fans, um, to give me the answers on why the 49ers uh have, have got no chance against the Rams uh, this week. And um, 3% said, stop playing in gold. Uh, too much pressure on you. Uh, so um, there you go. Uh, they, there you go, Nat. But, 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 but to, I honestly, think we should revive. I think we should revive Family Fortunes. Uh, an NFL special. Hey, Verb would love that anyway, right? He'd love an NFL special Family Fortune. Vernike, you all right? Vernike, what's going on? So <laughs> reasons, yeah. We asked 100 people how the 49ers can beat the Rams <laughs> and not playing gold. You've got me not playing gold, Tom. Let's yeah. see. And three, it's a little bing. It's like bottom of the, the bottom of the list. Bing, <laughs> three people said not playing gold. I love that. Yeah. Also, but, but, I love this but, idea of old school running backs coming out of retirement. Like yeah. Shannon announces that active for Sunday, Jamal Charles, Sean Alexander, just to go really left, left he retired about 15 years ago. Just yeah. In their, in their late forties, just wheeled out. Uh, yeah, it would be, it would be beautiful. I mean, they, they could, be maybe a blocker. I mean, look, to, to answer your question, honestly, I, I think that there is a chance Matthew Stafford had a, a uh, an inconsistent bad game for him, which he has not looked like he would do all season. We normally have the number on the Rams the last couple of times we've played mm-hmm. them. Uh, I'm talking about the Niners, not me personally. Th- they've had their number, but that's because they had Jared Goff. So one way is if Matthew Stafford, we can get to him early. Nick Bosa, maybe D Ford will play or Eric Armstead. Uh, because the, yeah, there's a way, big yeah. Names, big names still in there, but the defense just looks so different. I mean, the the, the not the run defense is is weak. You across the board, really, it just seems to be a very different uh, incarnation uh, than the one we're used to, and it begs the question. And it's something that that only the producer was was asking. No Robert Salah. How, I mean, how big a loss is that? Because we look at, for example, the Rams are a great example, right? That different coordinators, personnel changes in coaching, but very little seems to change, right? They still seem to be, uh, you know, as potent a unit as they have been uh, in the past. The 49ers, that's a different situation. Injury, I know, has affected things to a reasonable degree, but how much do they miss Salah, do you think? I think they, they he was the hype man uh, for the, for the defense, wasn't he? He was, he was just always there. Uh, again, you had Josh Norman, you had a, not Josh Norman, you had, uh, you, you basically had a, a, a sort of an effective enough team to basically get the job done when it mattered most, send out the big play, go, go for broke. And it seemed to work and, and they really believed in, in Salah. And then at the moment you've just got, 
just a weakened team. Fred Warner's still there, the linebacker. So I don't know why he can't seem to stop the run. Um, but it, but it, I think, I don't know whether they don't believe in himself. Josh Norman comes along, starts arguing most of the time when he should be on the field, just making plays uh, with uh, Cliff Kingsbury. But, you know, they, they've... They just, I don't think they they believe in themselves that they're going to get the job done. If it was without Nick Bosa, I don't know, honestly don't know what uh, we would do as a defense right now. But hey, you know, stranger things have happened. We were the, seemed to be the team that were going to beat the Cardinals and the underdog seemed to, to deliver when it matters most. Maybe we can take on board what the Detroit Lions did uh, in their game with the Rams and just hit them with shock after shock. Weren't expecting that play. They're going for it instead of punting the football. They're going for an onside kick. I think that's maybe the only chance uh, we, we've got to, to beat them because like you mentioned earlier, the offense just doesn't seem to find or hasn't found its identity Ooh. or a groove. George Kittle's back. Brilliant. Yeah, it's not big, big news for him. You know, and, and, and Jimmy G seems to rely on him heavily. Uh, is it the time to play Trey Lance? I, I, well, yeah, let's get into that. So I, I want to ask you that first of all, because and particularly if you lose to the Rams and that is, okay, stick a fork in you. Because it's still possible, right? I mean, you know, the way the, the playoff picture is looking in the NFC, you don't want to give up all hope at the moment. But if that if you do lose, then it is, as I said at the top, it's going to get a lot harder. So on that basis, at what point do you wheel out Garoppolo and, and plug in Trey Lance? Do you let, Trey Lance sit and learn and do you put him in as soon as you think the playoffs are done? Do you let him sit out the whole season and, and he start and he has the benefit of another a full and complete off season, a rebooted team to a degree and he, and he starts next year? What would your hunch be? Uh, well, here you go. I think with the Bears playing fields, they're learning. He's learning the whole time. Right. On, on that offense, he's learning how to become a quarterback in the NFL. Trey Lance had a little bit of that this season when Jimmy G went out and uh, some odd play calls to just run, just run at the opposition with your head first. That would be a great idea, Trey. Uh, and just injure your knee. So they, the, the, the problem they have, they, they've paid Jimmy G a lot of money this year. So they, they feel like they have to play him. He had a great uh, off season. So did Trey Lance, but but Kyle Shanahan's decided, let's stick with Jimmy G. He knows the offense better. Mm. Let's, let's slowly bring in Trey Lance. But it's not working with Jimmy G as a whole team. He's not playing badly. That's the interesting thing. But then why waste this time? And I think the cutoff point is this game. If, if for me, you mm. lose to the Rams, they go eight and two, the Niners go three and six. You say, that's it. We're not making the playoffs now. Let's play all the rookies that we've not played. Let's try and find a, the, the identity now for next season and hope, fingers crossed, that Trey Lance that you've spent all of that draft capital on uh, can deliver and doesn't get injured. And that would be mad to bench Jimmy G. But I feel like as an organization, as a franchise, you have to say, look, we've gone big on Trey Lance. Let's play him now that this season's all over and eat some humble pie. A lot of people were saying the Niners are, are going to go to the playoffs and they've got a strong team. Well, we don't have a strong team. So let's start rebuilding midseason. Because it, it's a great point you make on the tendency to say, well, look at Aaron Rodgers, look at Mahomes. They were particularly successful because they had this time to sit and learn and watch. But A, they're both exceptional quarterbacks, their generation, but also they, 
you talk to a, most players that like I remember having this conversation with J-Bell, right? And J-Bell said, it doesn't matter which way you cut it. It doesn't matter how much film you watch, how much, how many tablets are waved in front of you and things are being pointed out. The, you know, it's standing on the sidelines and watching a game that in that way, you only really start to learn when you're in there. You, that's, that's when it begins. So if you're talking about, and if Traylon's being such a raw prospect out of all of those quarterbacks drafted in the first round, he was, the riskiest, right? Maybe the highest upside, you know, depending on who you're listening to, but he was the, he's the gamble, right? Mac Jones, l- lower ceiling, but the safer bet as is as, as playing out in New England right now. And, and particularly the, the style of offense they're building around him. Zach Wilson <laughs> figured he was a safer bet, but that's, that's got a little bit left field as well. Trevor Lawrence, the phenom uh, and fields, I think he's already playing to type and Ben on our college days show incidentally, which has dropped. Go and check that out. And the vault raving about Justin Fields, Tom. He is a happy camper right now, Ben Isaacs, I can tell you. So Trey Lance was the, was the, the edgiest, riskiest one. So that almost lends itself to for sure get in the mix now, like make the mistakes now when it doesn't matter uh, and, and cut your teeth in the final six, seven games of the season. So we can then still, still have the same off season, you'll still have the same changes. You'll yeah. still have the same amount of time to learn the playbook and get wise, but you'll have had those reps as well. But you have to, at that point, as an organization uh, from, uh, you know, from Lynch down to Shanahan have to say, we got it wrong. Uh, you have to be accountable. That's what they always talk about in the NFL. we got to be accountable. He said, at which point uh, we had a good week of practice. The performance caught me off guard. Uh, I was very surprised we didn't play well today. Like, <laughs> okay. And, and he also says the failure of ex- execution starts with me. So he's taking uh, responsibility. He's, he's been accountable. Mm. But y- if you can say that, that, that is a sign of strength to go, look, we got it wrong. We're, we're, we weren't that good this year. Uh I think the Niners fans will probably think, you know, you sell, you sent us down the river. We believe the dream. But okay, you've you've decided this is how we move forward, and and Trey Lance has to go out there and and execute, and he does need those reps because, like you say, he he had the highest ceiling, mm. but needed game time out there. Why haven't they been playing Jimmy G and then rolling in Trey Lance to take mm. a couple of snaps? That was the idea, wasn't it? But but that hasn't seemed to have worked. So I think they have to start saying what the reasons are. Uh, and mid-season is better than saying at the end of the season and we're all on the hype train for next year. So, so I think getting that team ready for next year is the way forward. You got me thinking as you were talking there about the type of head coach you would be in the aftermath of a defeat. Would you be like Shanahan stepping up and saying, hey, it's on me? Would you be the kind of head coach that would be throwing all of your players under the bus or at least uh, in the Dan Campbell vein, you know, Jared Goff's got to do a lot better. Like, like it's Jared Goff's fault. The Lions suck. Yeah. I, I think, well, players, the players know when they've not performed, like that was a, 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 an obvious opportunity to get one over on the Cardinals without DeAndre Hopkins, without Kyler Murray, JJ Watt was out, AJ Green, forget about it. He's past his prime. But the point is they were there for the taking at right. home and, and get a ball, you know, after we've just come off a win against the Bears and they didn't take that opportunity. I think something's amiss whether Shanahan has lost the locker room. I don't think that. But at the same time, why has he not played Brandon Ayuk until now? That there's, mm. there's some reasons why it hasn't clicked. Keep sending out Elijah Mitchell, our running back, when he's a little bit banged up. He's the best one we've got. 
because we've had injuries. We can't use that excuse anymore. Uh, so I feel like you, you have to, everyone has to be accountable in that building. Lynch needs to say, look, I, I picked some bad picks, not as bad as the Raiders in 2020, but, but I made some bad picks and then move on. Like, and then us, us as fans can say, all right, I, I, I take that, you know, I, I accept that we've got to do better because you can't say that we're not doing anything wrong. It's down to this player or, or it's down to that. So I would be the coach to be honest and I'd probably last about five games. <laughs> <laughs> looking, it's looking, final thing on, on, on the 49ers and we'll move on because there are a lot of games to get into and not least uh, the return of Russell Wilson if we're talking NFC West and, and the impact that could have on Seattle. The, the, the depth chart, you're right, you know, Injuries to the running backs has been a, a fundamental problem. But looking at the fact you've got, and I'm a big Mosinu fan, right? And, uh, you know, it's disappointing. I was surprised that he didn't really work out in, in New England. I thought that would be a, a great fit for him. But he's, you know, had a really credible uh, and solid career. But when you're looking at a depth chart where you've got Debo and Ayuk as well, is amazing, but he's still quite raw, still not worked out quite how to use him, I think. And Sally's on there, you know, leading the depth chart. And then you've got Travis Benjamin, Trent Sherfield. That just isn't that it isn't it's a, a, it's a, depth. Yeah. It's, a, it's a run team. It's a run team, or it's to George Kittle. George Kittle yeah. was it was injured for so way uh, yeah. so, so many games. Ross Dwelly comes in. Oh, let's throw to him. But for some reason they don't trust him as much. It's it's it run heavy. Raheem Mostert goes down injured. Mm. Trey Sermon hasn't worked out, the second round pick. Mm. Uh and then Elijah Mitchell's comes out of nowhere and you think, oh, we can believe in him, but he gets banged up. It's mm. uh, You lose the right tackle. Uh, now, I think maybe for the season-ending injury, it's it, it just like, well, where's, where's the good news coming for the Niners? Where is it coming? Mm. Oh, we've got a pick in the first round next year. No, you don't. So you, we, have, we have nothing to, to really get excited about. And that wide receiver, Brandon Ayuk took so many big hits against the Cardinals and still held on to the football. Mm. So for me, why have we not been playing him? We don't have that big threat. But if uh, if Beckham comes in, hey, am I right, guys? If, if he's possibly coming to the Niners, that could turn our fortunes. It will change. Look, I have seen mocked up on Instagram and everything on Instagram is true. Uh, now, uh, yeah, <laughs> he's mocked up. He's in gold, which could be a downfall if he if he plays in gold. Uh, back but, to the 3% of people that think you shouldn't play in gold. It's a yeah. fair point. That might, that might jeopardize but, the deal. But it's very true. We do, we do not have that wide receiver threat, but Debo Samuel is more like a very bulked up, good catching running back. Uh, but, but Hey, it, it's, I, do you know what? Now I don't want to talk about the Niners anymore. It's not uh, looking good. I feel like the Rams are going to get this win and uh, just give uh, Henderson the ball a bit more and the Rams will be fine against us. Uh, <laughs> okay. Easy win for the Rams. What we're saying there, incidentally, to, just to dampen, just to, what did you have? You open? What did Sean Connery say? He was dis, uh, disillusioned. Dis yeah. Disillusioned. Yeah. D Ford's out. He's got been put on IR. So when has he not been out? When has he not been out? <laughs> throwing that out there. So happy days uh, here again. Uh, let's talk Russell Wilson. Uh, the Seahawks, of course, have the Packers this weekend. Uh, with uh, we expect Aaron Rodgers to be, to be back for the Packers, of course, after the surreal seven days that he's had and the, and the organization has had. And Jordan Love, difficult debut for him, I think it's fair to say. It's a difficult spot for him to, to come into, right? Um, and it was 
a more spirited performance from the Kansas City Chiefs defensively. That's the upside of that game, right? Because offensively, they were still spluttering around and uh, still a bit of a mess, but defense looked a lot sharper. But it was, you know, a very specific situation they were in to make them look good. I mean, they were doing, you know, a, a lot of a lot of cover zero looks. They were putting a huge amount of, of pressure on love, a young quarterback in, in his first start to, to force the issue. And he, and he couldn't handle it. Now that's not a long-term knocker and knock suggesting he's not going to be able to do it long-term, but yeah, it wasn't exactly a difficult opposition that they were facing relatively speaking. Right. So what we make of that chief's uplift is another matter. The Packers, on the other hand, will be, of course, an altogether different proposition, but as will the Seahawks. So have the Seahawks done enough whilst Russell Wilson's been out to keep them in the mix? Can their season turn for the good? Uh, can they f- muscle their way into the playoff race, do you think? I, th- I think they can. As much as I l- hate to say it, uh, Russell Wilson is just... He's just next level. When when Russell Wilson is there on that Seahawks team, it seems to to build the confidence of every player. You've got such a stacked offense uh, with DK Metcalf, weapons, uh, Tyler Lockett. Um, they have missed Chris Carson. I think he's their best running back. Uh, you will get D Eskridge back, their rookie, who seems like a Swiss army knife. He'll play in the slot. Very sort of explosive. Uh, he's coming back into their team. And, you know, Jared Everett says... Uh, after their bye week, the ignition is back. I don't know what that means. I think they're going to start, basically, uh, is what he's saying, their tight end. And with Russell back, you know, they've been fine with Geno Smith and they've they've done what they can. They've, they've kept the games tighter. Their defense has been better. But Russell Wilson gives them the edge on, on any team. Never write the Seahawks off when Russell Wilson's playing. Is he the most influential quarterback in the sense of how he can uplift and Keep plays alive and keep, keep plays alive and, and, and just paper over the cracks. I mean, I think Rogers obviously is, is a similar player in that respect and a great improviser and ad libber and, uh, and extending the plays as well. And it depends whether you look at the, I mean, he clearly felt when Jordan Love was drafted that, that and, and going into this off season as well, that they needed more weapons. The counter argument we keep hearing as well. What's he talking about? It's such a great, highly prolific offense. Look at this great, it's because he's making, with the exception of Devontae and I guess Aaron Jones, but the other receivers he's got, Valdez Scantling and, and, and the supporting cast, Rogers making them significantly better than they would be in most other situations, right? Is he making that, um, you know, the, the, the playbook and what is being designed and called? Is he elevating and uplifting? In the same way Wilson does. I mean, they seem to be two, and certainly Wilson, I think even more so, two of the most influential quarterbacks in that respect. Yeah, I, I think he is. However, the flip side of the coin is when you're asking someone like Pat Mahomes or Russell Wilson to do all the, the heavy lifting, um, your defense steps off a little bit. And I think what we've noticed from the Seahawks, and I imagine the coaches have been at the sidelines just going, hey, listen, don't forget, we've got Geno Smith, not Russell, <laughs> Russell Wilson. Um, you know, I know Tom Hanks is a massive fan in Castaway, shouting Wilson all the time, but <laughs> he's not here. Now. We need to step up. And I think sometimes when your quarterback is that good, it, it makes the, you know, the other side of the ball, the defense, look weaker because, oh, it's okay. Look, 
Don't worry. They got seven. They got the touchdown and the extra point. Don't worry about it. Cause we've got Russell Wilson. We've got Pat Mahomes. We'll be fine. Yeah. And, and I think a whole team has to lift itself mm. when you haven't got that elite quarterback because they are that every time I watch the NFL on a Sunday and, and it's like the next gen stats pop up and you're like, there was a 3.8% chance that Russell Wilson would find Tyler Lockett in the end zone. And you're like, how does he do that? But should they have even been in that position anyway in the first place? The whole team has to has to live. You can't allow Russell Wilson to do to do all of the work. But now that he's back, I, I really do think that they've got a chance uh, to 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 kick on from now. As Jared Everett says, they got the ignition back. Um, sounds like an R. Kelly song, but I don't think you can mention it. <laughs> I was just trying to think who sang Ignition. It was, yeah, <laughs> uh, a road we probably don't want to go down in particular. So they're sitting in the moment, the, the Hawks, uh, alongside the 49ers, three and five. So I guess the same uh, should be applied for them. Although I, I guess you've got to look at uh, the, the point you've just made that they have ridden through this dark period and, and God, we should mention how quickly Russell Wilson has come back relatively speaking as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, he seems to, and then maybe that will turn out to uh, be another, another twist in the tail, right? If, if he is being rushed back a little bit too quickly, but that they're, they're in the same boat, right? If they fall to three and six, I mean, I mean, it, they're definitely benefiting from the fact that, you know, the North and the East are, 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 are a mess, right? So yeah. suddenly three and six, the more I'm looking at it, I mean, you've got obviously, you would assume both the cards and the Rams are making it from the West, the Bucks, and probably the Saints from from the South. Uh, so yeah, I suppose that other the other spot is wide open, and actually three and six if results go their way, you know, and the Vikings or Bears fall, the Falcons we're not really buying, we're not really buying the Panthers, even though they've got a better record right now. So hey, maybe I'm maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit at three and six, but it, it certainly doesn't. Uh, bode, uh, you know, uh, build particularly kind of auspicious confidence yeah. if you are you're staring down the run and that you got to run the table at that point. Yeah, much. but it, but hey, another player could join the Seattle Seahawks, as every other team's been mentioned, apart from the Browns, is Odell Beckham. Could he be going to the Seahawks and lift that team? But news just in um, now. Uh, Pete Carroll um, at some point will have to have jaw surgery. I don't know if you've watched him on the sideline. That man can chew like there is no tomorrow. He's gone. Really chews. I'm worried about his jaw. Um, but, um, But now with Russell Wilson back, he'll be more relaxed, I hope. Pete Carroll, it's a story I've told a couple of times. Uh, so apologies, listeners, if you've, if you've heard me drop this one before. But when I was interviewing Tyler Lockett, Tom, uh, when they were over in, in London, and we had a, this quiet, you know, those country hotels that the NFL teams get put up in. And this quiet, uh, it was the Grove or somewhere, you know, the Shire, or this kind of thing. Uh, quiet little you know, idyllic in- English countryside garden. And we had this spot doing this interview with Tyler Lockett, who was erudite and really, really... Uh, really sharp and, and, and lovely guy. And, but just this very calm, chilled, relaxed, understated vibe about the interview. And then suddenly there was just this freight train whirlwind <laughs> all of energy just bursting around with, with a kind of entourage, you know, two or three assistants coaches uh, and, you know, other Seahawks personnel sort of behind him, just bursting through Carol, just at, you know, people that when you walk, see that walking down the street, ridiculously fast, even though they're, <laughs> they're like late for something, they just move with purpose. Cause that's yeah. Carol just bowling through stops, looks chewing gum. What looking, looking at us kind of sizing up what's going on. Says hi to Tyler. Tyler. This is while we're in the interview. Yeah. Nods, nods to me, smiles. Hi guys. 
first off. Just, <laughs> we, we, energy we, of the man. You're all just thinking, uh, wow, did that just happen? That's uh, that's incredible. If Pete Carroll uh, was to chew in the woods, does anybody hear it? Like, he's just incredible. What 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 passion uh, he has. Uh, but yeah, I think the pressure's on him as a coach in, in some respects, but he'll turn it around and, and I think they'll, they'll, they'll be fine, the, the Seahawks. Jobs that other than NFL head coach that Pete Carroll would be great at. Uh, I think uh, um, a poolside attendant. Uh, <laughs> I think he would be very good at that. Uh, but he wouldn't he'd be, sit with poolside attendant. He'd be he'd be chewing gum, of course, consistently yep. throughout. But would of course be very very hard on anyone else around the He's pool. Brought gum, no gum. There'd be a yeah. big sign saying no gum. But you know, like those that you see them in films, because uh, I don't know who does it, but they have the stick that goes in clearing up debris off the pool, uh, like <laughs> leaves. That'd be Pete Cow. He's just constantly yeah. fidgeting. People would say, Pete, by the way, you can, you know, you can sit up on that high chair. No, no, no. Too much to do. Too much to do. Got kids to do. Got to take the inflatables out. Got to um, stop Bad that. Around. A man with a whistle. Like, yeah, lifeguard attendant. Uh, poolside, Pete Carroll, love it. Pete Carroll, I would. Uh, Pete Carroll would be uh, if a uh, teach. Pete Carroll is your teacher, <laughs> particularly particularly little ones as well. Like sort no. of seven year olds. Pete Carroll's your. <laughs> no, you know what he would be exam time when you're in a hall at the school mm. hall, mm. and you got that teacher paces up and down. <laughs> Just he would be circuit. stressing you out every time because yeah. your pen, your the paper would would waft a little bit at the speed he's going at up and down the aisles of of those exam tables. Um, many a job uh, for Pete Carroll. Beckham, uh, back to back to your point about Beckham going to Seattle. That's definitely uh, a, a heavily touted landing spot, and apparently his his preference, if uh, you believe uh, some reports. And they've got the cap space as well. Uh, the Seahawks. We've got to bear in mind that even though every single team in the NFL has been linked with, oh, are they going to make a move for Odell Beckham? Like, look at the numbers, right, and see if they can actually afford to do it. Other teams that have been suggested include the Saints, of course. That could be an interesting one. The Patriots is is by far the most intriguing one for me, right? This uh, idea that Beckham landing there, I think, and I know there are exceptions to this rule. You know, there are most, I know, not that they're the same kind of receiver, but as you mentioned before, there are players that you think, oh God, that's a perfect fit that they're going to, they're going to be a, a great fit. And I guess by the very nature and the very fact that they're in the organization in the first place means they're a good fit because Belichick is only going to take someone who th- thinks is going to be a good fit, but whether it plays out is another matter. Beckham, I think would be, a, 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 I could see that working and completely changing the course of his season, his career, arguably, and, and and the Patriots turning them from what is this really retro-leaning, uh, unashamedly old-school old school offense into an altogether different thing. I mean, I think out of all of those landing spots for me, the Patriots would be the most intriguing. Mm. I mean, I, I know how much you love the New England Patriots and it's how much... It's boring, actually. I'm really starting yeah, to no, 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 and I don't think there's anything wrong with that because they are weaker. They're weaker without Tom Brady, but, and we quite like that uh, as NFL fans. Uh, but, I, you, you know, you tip them uh, for making the, the playoffs. They're the dark horse maybe for the Super Bowl. I think someone like... Beckham turning up there, it would be sort of in vogue with their their signing of Josh Gordon, Antonio Brown, Randy Moss. You know, they'll take a receiver that they know offers something, whether they even throw them the football, give them the target, they know that the opposition defense has to account for them. And mm. that frees up the likes of those running lanes for, for Damien Harris, for Stevenson. Mm. Um, you know, they've got some decent receivers at Patriots. You know, Kendrick Bourne used to be at the Niners. Yeah, He's- yeah. 
he's very good at throwing the football as well, uh, which also helps. <laughs> Maybe they could, he could come back to the Niners and do that. But but I, I think that would it would be a great fit. If you're a Patriots fan, you'll be like, mm. why not? We look good on defense. Uh, Mac Jones is a fantastic, a confident game manager, uh, people mm. are calling him. But I think he will unload at some point and, and that is dangerous for everybody. He's being well restrained right now and give him someone like Beckham on the side and they build up a rapport. Deadly, deadly for the AFC East. The Patriots have the Browns this week in Foxborough as well. Uh, both teams five and four, of course. So uh, very much in the hunt. Uh, a co- I, I just I smile when you said confident game manager because I'm just thinking what an unconfident game manager. <laughs> game manager. Should, I, should I just I'll check out? Yeah, the, the, we should name our top three unconfident game managers. <laughs> uh, I'll fire out one. Kirk okay. Cousins. <laughs> okay, I'm taking Nate Peterman. I'll, I'll take your curse because I'm going <laughs> Nate. Nate is so lacks confidence. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, uh, Brian Hoyer. Uh, there you go. There's an- <laughs> oh, yeah. The I panic w- mode is 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 the moment that you do not want uh, uh, the, your quarterback who's not a confident game manager in. Let's talk Chiefs Raiders key game in the, in the West. Before we do though, Tom Deacon, before we get yes. into that, our show, the Nat Coombs Show, is brought to you in association with the Air Lingus College Football Classic. And the first chance to get tickets to see Northwestern versus Nebraska at the Aviva Stadium on Saturday, the 27th of August, 2022, is through their pre-sale on Friday, the 19th of November. That's collegefootballisland.com. That's where you got to go. Sign up now for exclusive access, collegefootballisland.com. Get involved with that. There's also going to be a game in 2023 as well, which is very exciting. And I am particularly excited about that, Tom Deacon, because it means there's going to be a show road trip. You're coming along, right? I mean, you're in the car for that one. Oh, 100. If there's room, uh, I'll, I'll always be, room for you. How how tall is Ben Isaacs? I'm, I'm worried. Like, he is, is he is he misleading? Because I imagine with his voice, he's quite short. But how tall is he? It might surprise you to know that Ben Isaacs is six foot nine. And he's <laughs> <Get> <laughs> basketball. <laughs> I tell you what, I only mention him because he loves his college football. He loves me some college football. So um, I, I I would be happy to, to head along with you. Ollie, yeah. yourself, who's driving? I, you know, I, I could do it. I've got no points on my license, so I'm, I'm, I'm squeaky clean. <laughs> you can drive. You can be a okay. designated driver. Uh, Iron Mike's going to navigate. He's going to oh. refuse to use the sat-nav and he'll use an old school map. <laughs> oh, one of those atlases that your, your parents bought you. Hey, just in case your sat-nav goes down you're like i yeah. hope it never does <laughs> we'll just be saying mike mike i really think we should use a sat nav i just think it'd be a lot quicker <laughs> oh it's fine you can't see him he's just this consumed by this giant <laughs> we, end up in, we end up in cork <laughs> oh it's, it would be like the film uh planes trains and automobiles oh, it would be so, we'll get there john candy oh what a what a film but um hey that what sounds amazing people should get involved with what you just told them about to get involved with college yeah football. we should yeah they should uh right chiefs raiders e let's talk chiefs first because it is getting week on week on week harder to rationalize and justify the narrative that i've been flogging almost as readily as the patriots are good and making the playoffs which is the chiefs will be fine. It'll come good. I still maintain that in the face of quite damning evidence because for a number of reasons, really. Specifically, I think the line is going to continue to get stronger. And that was, everyone says, well, look, they haven't been the same since the Super Bowl. And the, look what the Bucks did. And the Bucks worked out a blueprint. Just deal with that, that, that argument first, that position first, right? Yes, that's true. The Bucks completely manhandled them, and that offense was 
the most disjointed and dysfunctional that we can remember really in a, a Reed Mahomes in the Reed Mahomes era. But the obvious reason for that was the offensive line and, and particularly the specific matchup with that Bucks D and the speed and the fact they could, they could put pressure on with four and they had the speed in the, in, in, in underneath in the linebacking core and, and all of those reasons. And it was a mess. Let me get it. So the chiefs re up the offensive line and it takes time for an offensive line to gel. It's one of those units in, in any sport, which requires reps and time and familiarity and for all kinds of different reasons. And that, is happening and it hasn't been it's been interesting on this show tom we've had iron mike carlson and ollie Connolly, two great minds of the game having two quite distinctive perspectives of where they think the chief's offensive line is right propo and i got into it on on edge rush and i really sort of drilled down into some numbers as well alongside the eye test and and i think the truth is actually there's somewhere in between it's not great it's not terrible right mm. but, uh, but like a lot of the 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 roster a lot of the team certain people underperforming based on the the level that they are and that's really the crux of where i'm going with the chiefs at the moment we talked a bit about the defense earlier on and that gives me the most cause for optimism that's the second point as well the defense is terrible the defense is anyone can you know particularly then they get to the playoffs anyone's going to run all over them and the Chiefs' defense, okay, it was it was demonstrably better in their Super Bowl winning year. But I remember being in Miami all week long. Well, the 49ers are going to run through. I mean, that's the fallibility of this Chiefs' defense. And oh, yeah, their offense is great, but the defense and yeah, it got progressively worse. And and it's not a great unit, but it is a a unit that's been affected by injury. And I know a lot of teams have been. But when you're looking at Chris Jones and Frank Clark, and they're banged up. And these guys have a huge amount uh, of uh, significance in in that unit, let alone in the NFL. That's a serious loss. It is a Spagnola unit, which gets better and better. Every, virtually every single team he has been defensive coordinator on, that is the case. You talk to players, OC has played under him and says, it is a given that the unit will get better as the season goes on. So you can... You li- we listen to OCU Manure, right? You can pretty much, you can pretty much bank on the fact that, and we saw it against the Packers, right? It's getting better, and okay, it was the Packers with Jordan Love, but they're getting better. So then it comes to, well, you know, they just don't really have what's happened to the offense, and this is where I really want to get into. Outside of the line, Mahomes, Ryan Clark, ESPN's Ryan Clark said this week, Patrick Mahomes is broken. He's the same as he's always been, but that's no longer good enough. I mean, that's pretty, even in the era of crazy overreaction, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is broken. I mean, you, you buying into that? Do we think he's done? Is, he, is, it, is it a situation where, uh, is there any validity in that argument, Tom Deacon? Nat, you, you put it so eloquently. You could really open this up and really analyze where the Chiefs are at. Uh, someone said, something is off 
with this Chiefs. And you've you've put it, you've you've laid out the facts there, defensively, offensively. It's like when you go into the fridge and something smells funky, and you're like, hang on a minute, I know something in here is funky. And you start rummaging around, and then you think it can't be the pesto, but it is the pesto, isn't it? After all the rummaging, not the pesto. You've kept it in there for too long, you know, and it's got a little bit of mold inside. Whatever. Look, we've all been there. Am I right? The point is, I'm saying it's a little bit funk for me when I see the Chiefs. It's not Patrick Mahomes is broken. I think that is a very damning uh, from Ryan Clark. Yeah. But, uh, but he's, he's still the lights out quarterback. We're so fickle. We're thinking, hey, one minute we think Pat Mahomes, he's just incredible. What they're not doing at the moment is, is keeping it simple to keep the, the chains moving. Uh, mm-hmm. There's so many times this year in, in every game that I've watched where Pat Mahomes has got the easy pass, the dink and dunk, uh, yeah, check yeah. down players, and he's not playing it. I think when you're Pat Mahomes and you feel like you've got to prove everybody wrong and you're this elite quarterback, you start dinking and dunking. People are like, oh, he's lost his ability. It's, I think he's fighting his ego a lot of the time. And I don't think that's helping them as a team. They've just got to keep it simple. Do you know what Andy Reid, uh, I think there's a stat, something in terms of the, the, the least amount of points they've had uh, mm. and in terms of touchdowns as well in, in games. We're not talking about Chad Henney, the quarterback here. We're talking about Pat Mahomes. Mm. Something, something needs to change. And I think they need to go back to basics and, and start... You know, you've got Travis Kelsey, you've got Tyreek Hill, you know, you've got whatever running back is there, Williams or or McKinnon, Jet McKinnon, whatever, whoever you've got, keep it simple. Pat Mahomes, just take him to one side and just say, just dink and dunk. Just let's let's get the offense moving and we can build on that. Uh, because when they are lights out and 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 the defenses that they're playing are doing that, they're they're stepping way off. And, and just saying, hey, you're going to have to, what's the phrase? Kill us by a, a thousand paper cuts. Yeah, right. Death by a thousand cuts. And, and, and that's what the Chiefs are. They're having to mid-season work out. We know that we can be lights out when we've got just the ball rolling a little bit. So, mm-hmm. so it, it, I think that's the way to do it. You know, keep, keep it simple for Pat Mahomes, who, he knows, who he, we all know is incredible. Keep it simple. Get some easy plays, easy passes mm-hmm. for him. And I think that offense will suddenly come back to life. Yeah, it, it, it just needs, I mean, if they beat the Raiders and, and it's a reasonable a reasonable assumption to say they will. And I, look, I've been high on the Raiders, as you know, but I think they're in a difficult spot again and the whole Damon Arnett situation, rugs, of course, and that coming in, in, the, in the space of, you know, two weeks. Not even that, right? And they've added Deshaun Jackson, of course, and that could be a, that could be interesting. But it's it's or I think a reasonable assumption to say that the Raiders uh, could conceivably derail now, maybe not cataclysmically, but start to find themselves uh, falling out of uh, of the playoff picture. Conversely, if the Chiefs win this, they're six and four for you know a team that's. Let's stick a fork in them. This is the end of the end of the year as we know it. All these ridiculous, crazy, over the top <laughs> conclusions. They're six and four if they win this. Yeah, they're finding ways to win, um, and yeah, that's exactly. what that's what and Andy reads. Tough schedule as well, of course. And and their defense, as you say, is going to like a fine wine. They're going to get better at some point. They're going to be uncorked, and we can all enjoy this defense. But uh, Andy Reid, even at the start of the season, there were a lot of changes about eight or nine different 
coaching staff changes. And he said, it's a chance for these guys to grow. The wide receivers coach becomes the running back coach, mm. uh, which is fascinating. That doesn't normally happen. Maybe it does normally happen. I, I, it's not something I've heard a lot of. So this is the chance for them to grow. They have really analyzed, hey, this isn't wrong. This is not the high powered offense. It doesn't exist at the moment but we still could be six and four at the end of yeah. uh, but, but this time next week. So actually they're not in that much of a bad position. They are learning on the fly. And I tell you what, when, when it does click for them, uh, teams will be thinking, oh, I wish we played the, played the Chiefs earlier in the season. <laughs> Big time. And, and on that note, uh, looking at the, just to refresh and recap the schedule they've had and the, some of the performances they had, right? So they open up with a win over the Browns and put 33 points up on them, incidentally. They lost to the Ravens in week two by a single point and 35 points they put up on that Ravens D, right? So the first two weeks of the season, they put up 68 points. They then had the Chargers. They lost, but single score, six point, six point game. They put 42 up on the Eagles. And then this is when I think things started going, uh, getting heightened in terms of the, the negativity because they got blown away by the Bills. No doubt about that. But they responded 31-13 win over the Chief, over the uh, Washington football team. So another 30-plus tally for this supposedly offense that's completely lost its way. Uh, at, okay, the Titans then shellacked them. So the Bills and the Titans defeats were, were significant. But as, as we well know, almost every team has suffered a significant reverse. The Packers are blown away week one. It's happened to the Bucks, you know, this idea that, oh, well, they've lost a game. It's happened to the Titans, for goodness sake, right? It's happened, the, what happened to the Bengals against the Browns. And we're not suddenly off the Bengals for the, you know, most teams suffer heavy defeats in a season, right? The It was ugly against the Packers, but that's like the rainy night, Tuesday night one yeah. against Stoke, right? So overreaction central, I think here, overreaction central, but a fascinating uh, game, nevertheless, uh, not least because it's got a huge significance in the in the AFC West. Looking forward to that. Uh, just looking at the running order, and uh, as usual, Tom Deacon, surprised as as ever that we have a running order on this show. Uh, slightly rude note from Ollie, the producer. I'd like to. Oh yeah, please voice it. Is it about my jacket? Is it about something I've said? No, you're fine. You're you're okay. Fine. You're fine. This is all on me. Well, he, you know, uh, of course, he's always sticking the knife into me. Uh, let Nat tell everyone for the forty-fifth time how he predicted the Pats for the playoffs. Wow, for the forty-fifth time. It's like he's been counting. I mean, it probably is the forty-fifth time to be fair. <laughs> Can I just say that's a bit harsh uh, from a producer? But you know what? Mm. Sometimes yeah. when people are harsh with you, Nat, it does bring out the best in you. Right. Um, and right. you know you've got to use it, use it for your your energy. That's a bad mm. vibe call from locker room from material from all. Yeah, 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 one hundred percent. But at the same time, it might. It, you know what? He might have been. You know, like the horse whisperer. I'm not calling you a horse, but he's just getting the best out of you. Just you know, just a yeah. slight little nudge at you like that. So look, just I like that. Just a, yeah, you're not so yeah, not so sharp now. I like that. Well, the Browns Pats is uh, one of the uh, most interesting games of the, of the week. Uh, where are you on the Browns? Because that was a gutsy old win against uh, the Bengals, which I don't think many people saw coming, certainly the manner of, of the victory, I don't think anybody saw. And just when we seem to count the Browns out and Baker in particular, they defy their critics, don't they? Yeah. Uh, he. It's interesting with Baker Mayfield under, I think, unfair criticism. Um, 
you know, would you rather have Deshaun Kaiser, Cody Kessler, Austin Davis, Johnny Manziel? No, you wouldn't. Uh, would I pay him $40 million a year? No, I wouldn't. So you've got an interesting <laughs> dilemma with Baker Mayfield, but he produced the goods. Maybe OBJ was the problem. Um, and they have to find a way of getting across the line. Unfortunately for this game, no Nick Chubb. So to Ernest Johnson, who we didn't expect big things from, Ernest uh, is, 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 is going to have to, to show up. But hey, I, I think in, in times of adversity and you've got Denzel Ward, you know, 99 yard return for a touchdown, it, it lifts the team. Um, you've got, you've got an, a, a, a very, very capable team here. Uh, I just, I'm not sure whether against the Patriots, um, Kevin Stefanski is going to have enough game experience mm. to, to get it across the line. We're talking about Bill Belichick here. And even his son, Steve Belichick has said, I don't have fond memories of, of Cleveland uh, growing up there as a kid. So, so yeah. I, th- there's a lot on this game, two teams that are five and four. Um, but I like, I like the Cleveland Browns. I think, you know, we, we know what they are. They've still got Anthony Schwartz, David and Joko, Austin Huber. I don't think it's going to be a pretty game, mm. but I, but I like them Browns. I, you know, who doesn't, they've had so many years of, terrible times this is the best time to be a Browns fan so why not get behind Mayfield, Mayfield. I like I, I like the the Cleveland reference it's a great quote from Steve Belichick because I was talking about this today actually I caught up with with a, a mate for coffee and we were talking about the uh, about Belichick specifically and he was not a particularly big NFL fan and I was explaining about how it's you know the Patriots are just a complete outlier that they've been successful for so long and but also the fact that that era when Belichick was first head coach and really when he went to New England and New England fans were like oh god really? <laughs> like, he, was, he was quite similar to it's quite similar to David Boys at West Ham when he was first appointed and all the West Ham fans were oh you and you know look that turned out pretty well the same with same with Belichick so I'm comparing David Boys to Belichick here and I think West Ham are gonna have a similar 20 years the but he was he was a really uh, under underwhelming appointment and that was a lot to do with his demeanor which we now understand and and i think a lot of people really enjoy watching him just swat away us press like (laughs) like the idiots that we are and but also you know he was you know not hugely charismatic in a conventional sense you know rex ryan sense right or uh you know or bill parcell's sense of who he was so close to and that really as he was cutting his teeth as a head coach, that really came to bear in, in Cleveland, which was very, you know, Cleveland then. And and Belichick got rid of Bernie Kosar, who was their, their great quarterback, of course, in the 80s and 90s. And that made him hugely unpopular that he binned off uh, their, their talisman and, and one of the all-time great players for the organization. And but he had a pretty torrid time there, pretty messy time. It didn't play out at all well for him in Cleveland. I guarantee you that is going to be on Belichick's mind this week. If anyone, yeah, if anyone that is in the NFL would remember <laughs> something, <laughs> it's Bill Belichick. He's got, I reckon there's a book somewhere with all this, anyone that's said something nasty, done him wrong. Belichick shit list. I love it. Yeah. And, and essentially just in a game time, say a player gives it a little bit of the mouth on the side. Uh, Belichick just crosses his name off, <laughs> you know, like when he's got his uh, revenge, he just crosses it off. And that's why he doesn't have too much to say. If you're on, don't be on that, that book. You never find yourself on that. And I think the Browns will, will feel the heat when, um, when Bill turns up, uh, 
So I think it will be an interesting game, but hey, I mean, without Harris, potentially without Stevenson, the running backs for the for the Patriots, they're going to have to rely on Mac Jones potentially to, to air that football. Seven interceptions, 10 touchdowns. It's going to be, a, a, yeah, Denzel Ward might be licking his lips for this one. I love it. I, th- I like the idea of the Patriots. I think we were kind of touching this on a show quite recently, but I've been thinking about it in my head. The Patriots at the moment remind me of that kind of boxer, like a... a, a like a kind of Marvin Hagler disposition, although less exciting to watch than, than, than Hagler that will just completely negate the kind of more showy uh, razzmatazz boxer and just bring him like drag him down into a, like a just a low body blow, no nonsense, just completely pull down that freewheeling highfalutin offenses to just draw, bring him into the deep water and, uh, and keep him completely hemmed in and locked in. Well, that sort of happened against the Steelers for the Browns this season. It got mm. ugly uh, at, at times, but you know, the, the Steelers found a gritty way uh, to get across the line. I, I think those Patriots like Judon on their defense is going to yeah. hit Mayfield as quickly and as hard as they possibly can yeah. and say, and say now air the football, go on Baker, yeah. do, do what you can. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, that's why I don't think it's going to be a, a pretty game, but I, but I think for the purists, it's going to be a, a fantastic game and you will not know what's happening on the game by just looking at Bill Belichick's face uh, at any point during the game. <laughs> it's so true. You have no idea <laughs> at all. It cuts to red zone and the first thing you see is Belichick on the sideline. Uh, they could be 38-3 <laughs> up or 24 zip down. You wouldn't be able to tell. Yeah. Love that. Uh, what else? What other games should we get to? There's uh, one or two more I want to get into uh, with you. Uh, what about the Shags winning against the Bills? This is You'll love this. So when this was happening in on Sunday, of course, when we were doing our radio show, which of course you you were on our show last uh, Sunday, it might even happen when you were when you were on there with us. Were you on there when I think you were Tom when we were saying, "Oh, that that Jag's going to make the playoffs." <laughs> I think you were right at the end of the show. I think I think I think what I implied. Uh, I think it was when I said they've now gone uh, to is it three wins or two wins, mm. and I said two. and now they've blown the chance of a top five top pick. Five, <laughs> yeah. They will be furious. <laughs> yes, I was watching a show. I, was, I messaged uh, Ollie and and Ben uh, about this. Watching a show the next day. Uh, uh, I, I won't name it. I don't want to name and shame, but an American NFL show you would you would all know, listeners. And for a moment, and then they quickly kind of backtracked, and they realized that their producer in there was like, "Are you kidding me?" What suggesting? You know, I mean, it's possible that the you know, I mean, it's not outside the realms of possibility that the Jags could make a run of the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> what? Are you kidding? <laughs> oh, amazing. Uh, but but. If we're going to follow this theme through, they got the Colts. They're going to have their swag up, right? I mean, oh yeah, tails are going to be up. Is, um, is Josh Allen playing? I mean, because he will, he will, you know, give them a chance. And I don't mean the quarterback for the Bills. I mean Josh Allen, the real Josh Allen. It's like that Slim Shady with with a real Josh Allen. Please stand up, and he did exactly that. So hey, if he's playing, the Colts have got a chance. Carson Wentz has always got a pick uh, within him. Um, so and they they imploded against the Jets after taking such a heavy lead. So why not? Yeah, I, I reckon there's a win there. Nat, got to win that. So if you think the Jags have blown the number one pick, is it the Lions? Is that a lock now, or do you think? I mean, because they are. I mean, looking at the numbers, they are in pole position, really, aren't they? I mean, the 
the Jets are two as well, aren't they? Two wins as well. So, I mean, really, uh, the Lions are going to, it's going to, it's theirs for the taking. But I mean, you know, uh, they've got the Steelers this weekend. Uh, who's still in the mix? The Jags and the Jets. Are Washington in the mix for that? Do you think they're going to put a bit of a run to the Finns, I guess, as well, two and seven? I mean, I, I, I don't think Ron Rivera will, will allow the Washington football team to 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 um slip anymore. I, I don't know how he fixes that. Uh, Antonio Gibson being fully healthy might might definitely help them and, and trying to get that ball to Terry McLaurin as much as possible. And the return of Logan Thomas, their, their tight end, might help them in, in some way. Uh, I don't think the Washington football team... I think, well, the Lions have had their lion's share of losses and that will continue. Mm, See what I did nice. there? Okay. Um, and and I, and I I think Robert Saleh is, is is finding a way, even though the Jets are that bad, to the team hasn't lost belief in themselves. Um, and I'm not saying the Lions have, but that's going to be hard for Campbell to to build that team to get that first win. What celebrations there'll be on on, on the field when that happens? But yeah, for me, Lions will have the the first pick. I am really keen looking at this slate to get a propos take on our edge rush show, which of course we'll drop in a little bit later on this week in between this show and that one, uh, we'll get you up to speed on, uh, on the weekend in its entirety. But yeah, they're looking at these and you know, he's a sharp cookie propo. He's a sharp guy when it comes to, uh, comes to the edge and the angles. And I wonder which one, whether a couple of trap games here, quite potentially, I wonder if he fancies the lines for the upset of the Steelers. I, I haven't consulted with him, but, and the Jags Colts as well is quite intriguing, particularly uh, with that win. The Bills are going to absolutely destroy the Jets, aren't they? That's going to be, it's going to yeah. be messy. It's going to be, yeah, 30 points <laughs> plus. Uh, brilliant stuff, Tom Deacon. Uh, always a pleasure catching up with you. I think we've covered a lot of ground. I think we've also established you on, uh, in our Dublin road trip, which is great as a Thank you. designated driver. Um, if if incidentally Mike reading uh, and navigating, reading the map, is going to be really distracting for you in the seat next to the passenger seat. We could have yeah. it do that from the back, particularly if we've got a people carrier. Yeah, I, well, that would that would really help me. I don't know why Iron Mike strikes me as someone who would learn Gaelic just for that trip alone, um, <laughs> learn it uh, yeah. to a, le- a comprehensible, comprehensive level, and therefore mm-hmm. be doing uh, a lot of the the translation. Although we'll tell him every time you don't need to. Uh, Iron, on, Mike. It's yeah, it's, it'll be fine. Um, no, I, I, I'm. I, hey, there's so so many good games coming up as well. LA Chargers, Minnesota Vikings. I'm looking forward to as well. But mm-hmm. hey, it's going to be an exciting week for me to watch the round. Rams beat the Niners, but always, always a pleasure uh, to to chat to to you, Nat. Likewise, bud. The brilliant Tom Deacon. You can catch him uh, on your TV screens, live stand-up as well, uh, on social media. Plug your handle, Tom. You're Tom H. Deacon. Is that right? Uh, Yes, for for Twitter. And then I like to make it confusing for people on Instagram, Tom Deacon Comedy. Uh, That's where you find all of the latest gigs and, and yeah, F1 Esports, which I host, which looking forward to getting in amongst that again. But uh, always a pleasure. And um, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm going to go and cry about the Niners again. Sorry, Nat. Well, constructively kind of channel it into your stand up, uh, (laughs) write write some poetry, maybe a protest folk song. Love, love catching up with you, bud. Look after yourself. Come see us soon. Cheers, Nat. Cannot wait to get him back. Cannot wait to get on that road to Dublin. We're starting to take shape that Dublin road trip. I hope some of you lot are going to be coming over to that as well. Looking forward to that next summer. And that will fly by. We've got plenty of football to deal with before all that, of course. And that's why we're rolling out the pods thick and fast college days. It's a goodie this week. I know I would say that, but you got to trust me on this one. Ben is in fine fettle rookie watch. We're looking 
at corners. He's picking up the best uh, edge rushers from uh, the draft next year, the forthcoming draft. The, the players he thinks is a big, uh, a deep class, I should say, and some serious talent as well. So if your team is in the hunt for an edge rusher, you are in the right place this time around. Uh, College Football 101 as well. Pick out some of the big games from this weekend. So a ton of stuff we get into on that. Iron Mike was on our review show, as he always is, of course. Uh, and some brilliant... It was vintage Carlson, i got to say. He was on fine form, in fine fettle. Uh, so uh, go check that out in the vault as well. All of that will help get you set for, for the weekend, as will Edge Rush. Mia Propo, we're back. We're dropping that probably Friday, maybe Saturday morning, you know, certainly in time for, for the weekend's action for Sunday's action. Uh, Propo on fire. Once again, uh, me, not so much, but uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with that as well. I'll get into some of the games that we didn't really drill down in too much detail this time. We'll get into some of those on edge rush as well. So you are all set subscribe to us. And you won't miss any of those episodes. Big up to all of those of you who've left messages and reviews uh, either on our social channels, on our pod platforms. We massively appreciate that. We'll see you for Edge Rush. Bye Sports Social Podcast Network.